I'm shocked, actually. I'm, I'm just uh, astonished that the world is where it is right now. There's been this, uh, it looks like an agenda to me that has just, we've been railroaded with this agenda. And anytime some, somebody tries to say, hey, guys, maybe it's not the way it looks, they get clobbered. I mean, there's just tremendous censorship going on. I mean, we live in the land of the free, as far as I had thought, you know, but there's no freedom here in America to speak your, your you know, scientific based thoughts about something that's happening that is extremely dangerous. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. So let's dive in and get started. Today's guest is Dr. Stephanie Seneff. Stephanie is a senior research scientist at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory. She has a bachelor's degree in biology with a minor in food and nutrition, a master's degree, an engineer's degree, and a PhD in electrical engineering and computer science, all from MIT. For most of her career at MIT, she was involved in the development of technology to support natural human-computer communication through spoken language. Since 2010, Dr. Seneff has shifted her research focus towards the effect of drugs, toxic chemicals, and diet on human health and disease. Her writing and research have focused specifically on the herbicide glyphosate and the mineral sulfur. And now she has a brand new, amazing book called Toxic Legacy, How the Weed Killer Glyphosate is Destroying Our Health and the Environment. Stephanie, welcome to the show. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. So we are here again with Stephanie, Dr. Stephanie Seneff here, and we wanted to talk for a few minutes about the, um, you know, some of the COVID protocols and what's going on right now. And um, we, you know, Stephanie had some, some thoughts that she wanted to share and I wanted to, you know, hear her thoughts. And, um, you know, Stephanie, one of the first things I just wanted to, to bring up that I, that I kind of found pretty interesting. I mean, you're, someone with four degrees from MIT, you're one of the world's great scientists, and there's many scientists like you that have had their work censored. And, you know, and, th and there's, this, there's this widespread belief that this is science, that science is like one narrative and anything that doesn't fit that isn't science. And, and I mean, are, are you kind of surprised with what's happened to this, this whole scientific you know, approach? I'm shocked, actually. I'm, I'm just uh, astonished that the world is where it is right now. There's been this, uh, it looks like an agenda to me that has just, we've been railroaded with this agenda. And anytime some, somebody tries to say, hey guys, maybe it's not the way it looks, they get clobbered. I mean, there's just tremendous censorship going on. I mean, we live in the land of the free, as far as I had thought, you know, but there's no freedom here in America to speak your your, you know, scientifically based thoughts about something that's happening that is extremely dangerous for the population. And I am, I am just astonished. I mean, I, I find it hard to um, understand how we got to where we are today, to be honest with you. Mm. You know, I, I agree. I, I'm surprised about everything. And, and, you know, this intense pressure that's out there now yes. to, to vaccinate even children 
um, I had I had got an email from a from a summer camp and um, you know for for my son and and just sort of nonchalantly I'll make sure that your kids are vaccinated your your twelve year olds or whatever are vaccinated for camp without you know without even just a second thought and I was just very surprised um, how just nonchalant we are about something that's really untested you know not FDA approved um, and you know there were no children even involved in the original trial. I know. It's just unbelievable. And of course, pregnant women as well. They're like, you know, fine, if you're pregnant, you want the vaccine, that's not a problem. We'll give it to you. It's it's just uh, absolutely um, reckless, extremely reckless. And children, of course, you know, one wonderful thing about COVID is that it really doesn't kill children. Very, very few children have died from COVID. So it's not something that they're at risk to. And then to uh, force them to get something that has not, as you said, has not been FDA approved, I would think it would be illegal. I mean, I don't understand why it's not illegal. And I would think you could go to court and say, no, you know, you can't do this to my child. It feels to me like it ought to be illegal. And I just can't understand how all of a sudden it's fine to demand that these kids get this untested, um, very, very um, novel and, uh, you know, creative technology has gone into this. But so much of it is unknown as far as how it might affect our, our, our long-term health, actually. Absolutely. And I know now they're starting to, to find some kids that are getting some heart inflammation, some myocarditis. Um, I saw that. I mean, there were like, I think like 20 cases in just in Connecticut, I think that just came out and that's just one small area. Right. Um, so is and this... I know why that's happening because, it, because the spike protein itself is probably the most toxic part about, of that virus. And that's what the vaccine is getting your body to make lots of spike protein. And then that spike protein actually ends up circulating in the blood. That's been shown in studies that it ends up in the blood when you get the vaccine. And then it can just go anywhere and affect any organ. And the heart actually has a lot of those ACE2 receptors, which is what the spike protein binds to. And it's been shown the spike protein binds the ACE2 receptors and disables them. And when they get disabled, you get heart failure. You get myocarditis and heart failures. That's what we're seeing. It's the spike protein being produced by the cells under the instruction of the vaccine. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's one thing. It also just really makes me wonder about, you know, all of the unintended consequences. Like when we talk about, you know, antibiotics and the overuse of antibiotics, we get these super bugs. We kill because we kill the good ones. You know, glyphosate probably playing, obviously playing a role in this as well. But, um, you know, you've written, I know, some papers on these variants and I wonder to what extent there might be some unintended consequences from these vaccines that were, you know, again, we, we have no long-term data um, and how that might play a role in some of these resistant um, variants that, you know, could be coming down the pike. I absolutely think so. I mean, it just seems very clear to me that's what you would predict, again, from the science. And in fact, I read a fascinating paper on a case study of someone in the UK who had cancer He was taking chemotherapy, which suppressed his immune system, and he got COVID. He ended up in the hospital, very sick. He stayed in the hospital for 101 days, and during his hospital stay, he was administered um, serum, you know, plasma from people who had recovered from COVID-19 in order to give him antibodies. So he was getting his antibodies to the the virus through somebody else's uh, recovery. And then those antibodies didn't work either because his immune system just could not respond to the antibodies. And he ended up dying after 101 days. The whole time he was contagious. So they had him locked up in a special room. And um, 
he uh, then they looked at what at the strain that he had produced after those 101 days, and they were shocked to find that he had a dominant strain in his body that had like 12 different mutations in the spike protein. This this virus is very very good at mutating, you know, and so it's going to. I think it's almost certain that it's going to mutate its way out of a jam with these vaccines. The more that we vaccinate people with the specific spike protein that's in the original strain, the more we're gonna just allow the variant strains to take off. You know, we're killing off the main strain. And then these variants are learning. If anytime somebody who is immune is suppressed gets a, a vaccine, which they're encouraging them to do, despite the fact that most of them they don't take. I mean, I saw a study that said when they got the one shot, the first shot, only 17% of uh, people who had were immune compromised in a study actually developed antibodies. But those 17% are problematic because once you have the antibodies, if you don't have an immune system that's capable of clearing the virus, that's a perfect setup for the virus to evolve, just like it did in that cancer patient. So I think all these immune compromised people who are getting the vaccine are very dangerous. Um, they're going to cause uh, mutant strains to, to proliferate. And then the mutant strains will take over because the main strain's not making it through because everybody's getting vaccinated. So I think it's a perfect setup mm. to, uh, I would expect, I don't know how long it will take, but um, you know, a few months, a year, I don't know, but I'm pretty confident they're gonna say, whoops, you know, now you need to get another round of vaccines because that one that you have is useless. So now you've got all these uh, immune cells that have been specialized. They've become specialized in their long-term memory cells in recognizing a protein that no longer exists and is no longer at all of any use to have that antibody except to distract. It disrupts your, um, every time you make immune cells be specific, you're losing ground on the generic immune cells that could actually become specific to something in the future. So eventually you're going to run out of uh, the ability to adapt and, and develop antibodies to future infections because all of your immune cells have been committed to all these vaccines that have been given to you through the years. I mean, I really think that every vaccine uh, sets back your innate immune system. And when you get enough vaccines, you just don't have an innate immune system left anymore, practically. There's like nothing left to do mm. so that you can't uh, produce antibodies anymore to new exposures. That's how we end up with things like sepsis. You know, we have an epidemic in sepsis uh, today because I think in part because of all the vaccinations that people are receiving. And this this particular generation of children, I'm extremely concerned about, not just the COVID vaccine, which is horrendous. There's absolutely no reason why you should ever give a child a COVID-19 vaccine, especially one of these engineered, unique, you know, technology uh, experiments that we've got out there right now. Never should we be giving any child that vaccine. But, but, uh, but the children may even be more susceptible because they've had so many more vaccines as a child than previous generations. This is the most vaccinated generation in human history, our children. Mm -hmm. So they may have an extra susceptibility to vaccine damage with COVID vaccine because of their previous heavy doses of vaccines throughout their lifespan. Unbelievable. I know it's, uh, you know, I was thinking back when I, when I was a kid, um, Stephanie, you know, I, when I was like eight years old or 10 years old, I, I got the chicken pox mm -hmm. and, I, and I remember that I was covered and I was pretty miserable and all that. But I know, you know, my immune system came along and I had the rash and I had that and the innate immune system, the adaptive, and, and it took care of it. And I knew I was never going to get it again. But right. it's like, imagine a doctor then came along and said, well, Drew, you know, we know you've had all this, but we're going to still give you a vaccine anyways. Right. It, I, I would expect for something to be wrong because this finely tuned immune system has been honed for millions of years. 
and we're like monkeying around with it. We certainly are. And the vaccine is just incredibly not normal. You know, it's just, it, it, it really goes past, it, it's, um, I mean, one thing I don't like about vaccines in general is that they're injected past all the mucosal barriers because normally a virus comes in, you know, through the lungs or through the gut, uh, through the skin. You know, there's ways that it always has to involve a mucosal barrier and it, invo and it intimately involves the innate immune system. And I think many people have uh, who have a healthy innate immune system they don't need antibodies to fight off the disease, including COVID. I suspect people are getting exposed to COVID and their uh, their immune system is knocking it cold and they're fine. And they never even got to the point of making antibodies because they didn't need it. It's just when you have a weak immune system that you have to produce antibodies. Antibodies always have the risk of autoimmune disease because they can end up attacking your own tissues through, through molecular mimicry. And that is going to be a serious problem with these COVID-19 vaccines because that spike protein has lots and lots of sequences that are closely matched to sequences in human proteins that are associated with many different autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. And so I expect to see an uptick in, um, in the number of people who are developing Hashimoto's thyroiditis or, you know, multiple sclerosis or um, celiac disease, inflammatory gut, all these different autoimmune diseases um, that are caused by an overzealous adaptive immune system. You're forcing it to be, um, to produce those antibodies through these uh, this artificial mechanism of these shots that are just injected right into the muscle. No chance for the innate system to have any, uh, any, any chance of, of uh, you know, uh, removing it. And that's not intentional because they want you to develop the antibodies. The whole goal of the vaccine is antibodies. We seem to think that's the only way you can fight disease, and it's simply not true. Mm. It's a last resort, actually. Unbelievable. So, um, yeah, I mean, so this is just um, this this is this is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out, Stephanie. Over um, you know over the next year or two. I mean, I mean, I think another element too is just the whole fear factor. Right. Is, is just, I mean, and the role that fear plays in our immune system as well. I guess if you want to shut down someone's immune system, just <laughs> terrify them. <laughs> terrify them, yeah. yeah. And I find it interesting how the psychology has worked so effectively to make us terrified of COVID 19. It's really way out of proportional, out of proportion to our risk. Mm -hmm. If we're not, you know, if we don't have any of those risk factors, and if, especially if you're not old, you don't, don't need to worry about COVID-19 at all, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, the whole world is terrified of it. They have to cow in the corner, you know, don't go out and don't see anybody and don't hug your grandchildren. I mean, it's really crazy. And then they think, and then they say, here's this vaccine, it's going to save us all. And you're so grateful that everybody wants to line up and get it. <laughs> Trusting the government, which is something that is very stupid to do these days, because the government makes no sense in terms of their policies. Right. You know, you look at what they've done with glyphosate. And, and in fact, I'm very annoyed with them for not encouraging us to do things like eating certified organic and staying away from polluted air, uh, getting out in the sunlight as ways to combat COVID. Mm -hmm. I think if they would tell the population you need to be healthier, you know, that's the main thing we need to do to try to fight COVID. You look at the countries that don't use a lot of glyphosate. Those are the countries that don't have a problem with COVID-19. Mm. Oh, that's really interesting. Is that... Um... Have you noticed a trend there with glyphosate use and um, in countries that have had, you know, less less problems with it? Absolutely. Um, you look at Bhutan. Bhutan is a is a country that ha is mostly just small farms, small organic farms. They eat whole food. They have zero problems with COVID. I think they may have had one or two deaths. Taiwan is another example. They've they've been very much uh, very very safe with respect to COVID. They only had like six or seven deaths. Um, 
uh, a while ago. I think they've had a bit of an upsurge since they started the vaccination program, which I find intriguing, but I don't know if that's connected. Um, you know, the vaccine actually, I think, makes you more susceptible to COVID in the short term before you develop those antibodies, mm. because that spike protein is a distractor uh, from the from the virus if you should catch it at the same time right after you got the vaccine. But there, I mean, the countries that are being hit the hardest and that can't seem to get a handle on it: United States, Brazil, India, um, South Africa. In Africa, South Africa has the worst problem with COVID. They're the ones who use the most glyphosate. It's very much you can really line it up between glyphosate usage and uh, COVID-19 death uh, death rate. Across the board, Europe is another co uh, continent that uses a lot of glyphosate and has a lot of problems with COVID-19. Mm, wow, that's really, that's really fascinating. Um, so Stephanie, is there anything else that you've seen in the research that you want to bring up um, that people may not be, be aware of? Well, I would like to maybe bring up the idea that the spike protein is a prion protein. I don't know if you've heard about the possibility of prion diseases being linked to spike protein, but that's a very, very interesting space. And I got, um, you know, I wrote a paper together with Greg Nye. I don't know if you're aware of this paper. It's a long paper that's been published in a peer-reviewed journal. Uh, it starts off, the title starts off with worse than the disease question mark. And then it's, I forget the rest of the title, but mm. it's a, a, a deep dive into these vaccines and looking in detail at how they're made and how they're, how they're so strange, how they're not natural and the co possible consequences. And one of the things that uh, we looked into was this idea of the prion link, because the vaccine actually induces the immune cells to scoot into the lymph system, travel to the spleen. And they hang out in the spleen, and that's the spleen has these germinal centers where they're central to making antibodies. So the, uh, the 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 T cells and the B cells are hanging out in the in the lymph system. The immune cells have come in from the periphery, like they've been at the muscle. They pick up that mRNA vaccine, they cart it, they carry it into the spleen, then they start making you know lots of spike protein in the spleen in these germinal centers. And that spike protein is a prion protein, which means that if you make a lot of it, it can really uh, cause trouble. It can misfold. And, it can, and alpha-synuclein is also upregulated in response to stress, which these cells are very stressed with this uh, vaccine. So they're making alpha-synuclein, extra alpha-synuclein, on top of making this, this spike protein. They can't stop themselves from making spike protein. That's a perfect setup for uh, to have these fibrils uh, precipitate out that are uh, toxic um, prion, misfolded prion proteins, including the alpha-synuclein and the spike protein. And that cell is gonna package those things up into exosomes and ship them out. This has been shown, you know, I, I've seen all the studies that show how this process happens, uh, especially with respect to uh, Parkinson's disease. So the, uh, the immune cells in the spleen uh, produce these exosomes that contain these alpha-synuclein, misfolded alpha-synuclein, along with misfolded spike protein. I predict this and ship them out, and then they travel along the vagus nerve up to the brainstem nuclei, and they get into the substantia nigra, and they mess up the dopaminergic cells in, the, in there that are uh, central to Parkinson's disease. So I am predicting that down the road, and it may take a decade, it may take more, it's going to take time, but it's going to happen sooner than it would have happened, that people are going to be getting Parkinson's disease in more numbers and at younger ages because of this uh, vaccine, especially if they keep on getting it, a booster every year. Mm. We're going to see a, an even bigger epidemic in Parkinson's disease than we already have right now. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, well, I don't know, the future... <laughs> The next few years are going to be very, uh, like you said, very pretty interesting to see wh where this where this goes. Um, 
you know, I, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if um, sanity will prevail. If, if um, you know, you wonder how this is all going to play out, Stephanie. I know. And the thing that I really wonder is whether they're going to com- succeed in continuing to suppress the information so that people don't find out, mm-hmm. continue to assure us that this vaccine is fine. And as they see increasing rates of nasty diseases, continue to not look, not find a connection with the vaccine, you know, mm-hmm. because it won't be obvious. These, it, it's very lucky for the industry that it takes time. There's not a direct connection. It's hard to see those connections that are happening years later because of a slowly eroding system. You know, mm-hmm. it's easy to hide that that's happening and they're going to want to hide it because so much money is being made. And maybe they will succeed in hiding it and we'll never know that this is why we're all so sick. Mm. I mean, I think that's possible and it really depresses me to think that that's what's going to happen. Me too. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. But you know what? More, more the reason um, we have to spread the message. We have to empower ourselves and um, we have to learn about glyphosate. We have to learn about your work and um, you know how to nourish ourselves and our families, I guess. Um, you know, I guess that's really all we can do is just kind of, you know, come together and, you know, try to empower ourselves. Absolutely. I think we should be celebrating life, celebrate food, celebrate sunlight, you know, really um, enjoy those parts of our life and, and appreciate the fact that, that, that that's our God-given way to keep ourselves healthy. And that is so important to stay healthy. Amen. Amen. Stephanie, thank you so much for uh, taking the time here again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.